If you're a Christian, then you are resolved to obey God no matter what the cost. But what about those times when the cost of obeying God seems so high, you just can't seem to bring yourself to do it? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. When it says that Jesus became obedient, obedient to whom? Well, certainly to God the Father, right? Obviously that, but, but also to people. Jesus was obedient to people. Do you know when Jesus was a kid, he obeyed his mom and dad every time? First time obedience? Every single time? He never disobeyed. Jesus obeyed the law. Jesus obeyed Herod. He obeyed Caesar. He paid his taxes. In fact, when our needs required it, he even obeyed people who had no authority over him. If it was necessary for meeting our needs, he was, like, for example, he was technically exempt from the temple tax, right? And yet he submitted to it just so he could stay on track with God's calling on his life. He even submitted to an illegal arrest, illegal trials, and and, and illegal crucifixion, even though at any moment he could have called legions of angels to come and fight for him. Jesus was submissive to human authorities. He was was obedient. He was submissive. And, you know, people in our culture, everyone always claims to have respect for Jesus and, oh, yeah, what would Jesus do? We want to follow his example and all that, uh, right up to the point when they find out what his example actually is, right? Because when they find out it's this, it's humility, submissiveness, obedience. You know, if we put an ad on the radio advertising a sermon series here and a big banner out front saying, uh, we've got a sermon series on how to become more submissive and obedient to the authorities in your life. How many people do you think we'd get? I think you could show up late and still find a seat just fine. Our, uh, people in our culture are not interested in submissiveness. Just look at, look, just turn on the TV. I mean, you take any movie, any action hero, any cop show, and who's the big hero? Is it always, is it, is it somebody who's submissive and obedient? <laughs> no. It's always some maverick, you know, who just like, just blows off all authority and does whatever he wants. Those are the heroes. That's what, those are the stories that we'll pay money to go see. And what God is saying here is that you, you want a story to watch? Watch my son become submissive and obedient. We want to be a loving church, right? I mean, what a great reputation. Oh, God, man, they're just a loving church. You want to be a loving person, right? We want, to, we want to be known for our love, but we'll never really love one another until we humble ourselves toward one another, and we will never be truly humble towards one another until we're humble before God. And we bow the knee. And being humble before God means obeying His commands even when they conflict with what seems best to us. And obeying the people that God has placed in authority over us. And not only that, but even obeying people who are not in authority over us if doing so is what's necessary to, for meeting someone else's best interests. That's humility. And you, you hear that, that part, and you're like, whoa, now that seems like it's kind of going far. I mean, how far do I take this? I mean, what, what, what if people start taking advantage? I mean, what, what if it gets out of hand? I start losing some really important things. 
how far do I take this before I put my foot down and say, okay, that's enough, that's enough. Well, the answer is right there in verse 8. Just, just, just do what Jesus did. Verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Inevitably, when somebody gets offended and they're really mad at someone, they won't, they won't apologize, they won't humble themselves, and you're trying to counsel them, um, and you try to talk to them about it, you just show them Philippians 2 and everything, and, uh, and you show them verses 3 and 4, it'll have no effect on them because they'll say, uh, they'll always say this, like, yeah, 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 I understand all that, I totally understand all that, but, but you've got to understand, this is an exceptional case because that person really hurt me. How far do we take this? Literally, to death, to the point of death. The next time you find yourself reluctant to humble yourself before someone, just ask yourself, would it kill me to be the first one to say I'm sorry? Would it kill me? Literally end my physical life? And if the answer is yes, Maybe you should do it anyway, because that's what Jesus did. That's how far. And if that seems like a lot, don't worry. Here's the good news. God will never require anything more than that. Okay? That's as far as it goes, just death. Serving someone else's interest will never require more than death. He'll never, for example, he'll never require you to go to hell for someone else. God will never ask you to do that. He'll never ask you to give up your access to him in prayer. He'll never ask you to give up your enjoyment of his attributes. You can do that. You can always do that. He'll never ask you to give up your status as his son or daughter or, or your status as a co-heir with Christ. He'll never ask you to give up the Holy Spirit. The most he'll ever ask of you is just uh, to go as far as physical death, which is, if you have eternal life, not a problem. Right? So he won't require more than death, but he may very well require Death, and in Jesus' case, not just, not just any death, verse 8, he humbled himself, becoming obedient as far as death, even death on a cross. The most painful, humiliating, obscene kind of execution that they used. This mode of execution was so horrible that the Romans wouldn't even say the word. You know, in polite Roman society, the word cross was considered uh, a, a, a four-letter word. It was an obscenity, and they wouldn't even say it in polite company. That's how horrible it was. No Roman citizen would ever be crucified. No, not even their worst criminals would ever be crucified. Only people they considered subhuman, like slaves. There was so much shame involved in it, so much humiliation, that, uh, just the utter humiliation of hanging naked in front of a merciless, jeering crowd. And Jesus willingly endured, not only that, but punishment from God, all of the punishment that God required of him to pay for the penalties of the sins of mankind. As Jesus hung on the cross, from below came the the vicious, mocking rejection of the crowd. From all around him, no doubt, Satan and his host tormented him with the most extreme, imaginable torment. And from above came raining down the unimaginable punishment from God the Father. And from within came the bitter cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So 
So tell me again about that situation you're in where you just can't say you're sorry. You, you just can't, you can't be the first one. You can't humble yourself. If Jesus did what he did, and he took it as far as he took it, what is it that you have that's so precious that you can't give it up for the spiritual benefit of someone else? Whatever that thing is, keep going back to Philippians 2. Again, keep reading it, reading it until, until this, this thing that's so big in your heart, that's so precious, you can't let go of, finally loses its significance because it's dwarfed by the magnificence of the example of the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. How does that strike you when you hear that obeying God may cost you your comfort? It may hurt. It might cost you your dignity, your standing with people. It may cost you your job or even your family. It may cost you your life. But that's okay because it will never cost you your access to God in prayer, your enjoyment of his attributes, your status as a son or daughter, as a co-heir with Christ, or the Holy Spirit, or eternal life. When you hear all that, does that strike you as not all that comforting? Maybe even distressing? If you were totally honest with yourself, would you have to say that that first list, that'd be harder to lose than the second list? You could handle losing access in prayer or your experience with the Holy Spirit, but losing all your money? or health, or favor in the eyes of people, would that be harder? If that's you, it's crucial that you spend some serious time thinking through whether you really believe the Bible. All these benefits of salvation, do you really believe they're true? Or are you just pretending to believe? On the other hand, if the thought of losing the Holy Spirit, or access to God, or all the rest of that terrifies you, and you think you'd rather give up anything than lose those, then you have a great reason to rejoice. Because there's no explanation for that other than your faith is real, which means you're truly saved. Praise God for that. Now, of course, the challenge comes in living in such a way that reflects that belief. It's possible to believe it and yet act in ways that contradict your beliefs because these principles don't come to mind in the moment of temptation. Is there some way you can think of to remind yourself of this? What memory cue might help you the next time you face temptation to call to your mind this idea of comparing the small things you lose by obeying God with the huge things you gain? Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to your law, Father, I believe that. Help my unbelief. I will be blessed if I keep your statutes and seek you with all my heart. If I walk in your ways, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. 
How can I keep my way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Do good to your servant, and I will live. I will obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You rebuke the arrogant who are cursed and who stray from your commands. So I will not be one of them. I will strive to keep your statutes. Though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.